Welcome to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Sam Bam Colton is my guest today. He's an amazing guitar player. He's currently in three bands, I found out. Uh, Faster Pussycat, who I was a big fan of, still am. Uh, they had a big hit in 89 with House of Pain and some other uh, great album rock tracks. And of course, that was all before Sam was even born. Uh, but he's their current guitar player, and he's also the guitar player for Butterside. Uh, it was a band that was signed by Lemmy from Motorhead for his label personally. So that's pretty cool. And we'll talk about the name too, but they got some great tunes, catchy songs. Uh, and finally, he also plays on this. Uh, he just recorded new music with Dorothy. Uh, so this girl, she's got millions of views, listens on Spotify and YouTube. Um, I just discovered her by doing the research for this interview. And uh, I'm excited to hear m- new music from her. So and all three of these artists actually have new music coming out. So new Faster Pussycat, new Butterside. Uh, but this interview is a chance to get to know Sam. He's a very talented guy. Ace Von Johnson, who I recently had on, said Sam could be the next Jerry Cantrell. Uh, so definitely pay attention. And also, he's a super nice guy, very down to earth. I really enjoyed chatting with him and hope you guys enjoy it too. Welcome, Sam Bam Colton. Sam Bam Colton. To the Chuck Shoot podcast. So yeah, that's a, my first question. Obviously, is Sam Bam? I'm trying to do this research. I'm googling stuff. Is this? At first, I heard that name. I thought, oh, that's such a cool nickname, Sam Bam. Is that your real name or is that a nickname? No, that's a nickname. Ah, no, that's why I couldn't find it. Okay, so what yeah. is what is the story with that then? Uh, so my name is actually Sam, but when I was in my first band when I was like 13, everybody kind of had their own nicknames and that's the one that you know i was given and i don't really know where it came from and at first i was like super annoyed with it but then it just at some point made it by name on facebook and then that's where that's just how it's been ever since okay nice well i like i think it's cool i think it sounds like sam ban you know it's like i don't know it sounds tough or something like a superhero or so I, i like it i think it's awesome I'll take it. Thanks. Yeah, it's very cool. So growing up, you grew up in St. Louis and your mom cut hair. Your dad did like insurance stuff. But I thought this was interesting. Your dad used to be a professional racquetball player. Is that right? He traveled the yeah. world. Yeah, it's pretty insane that my uh, my dad traveled the world playing racquetball. And uh, I have no athletic skills <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> at all. Do, they, do either of your parents play any music, though, or ha- have any musical talent? No, they've, uh, they've never played music. They just, they do, they've always loved music, of course, but they've never played. Okay. Yeah. It's just funny. Like, and then, so your parents, it sounded like they were into typical, like I would call like parent music, Rod Stewart and three dog night. Like those are, those sound like kind of like, I feel like everybody's mom or dad had Rod Stewart. When I'd go to their, my friend's houses, I'd be like, Oh cool. CDs, music. I love music. And I always look at boys like, Oh, Rod Stewart. Mm, okay. But so somehow you found some songs that you liked must've been on the radio or something. Uh, Eva, Eva, what is it? Evolution Ele- elevation by you two and one head light by the wallflowers. I love that wallflower song, but what was it about those two songs that was it the guitar sounds or was it their catchy songs or the lyrics? What did you like about those two songs in particular? I think it was just probably the, the songs in general. I mean, the one headlight thing was when I was a little, little kid, like mm-hmm. really, really young. And then same with elevation too. I mean, Elevation, now thinking back about it musically, that's like probably the first time I've ever heard a wah pedal or kind of oh, like a okay. kind of thing, um, you know, and I, I love that kind of sound still to this day. So um, I don't know. I really think it was kind of just the songs and just as a young kid, I was obsessed. Yeah. You don't sometimes, I remember when I was a kid, I liked the song, wake me up before you go, go by wham. I just, there was something about that song. I just, I loved it. I was like so catchy and, and so, you know, just could sing along to it. I don't know why I like, I, you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes it's something just hits you. So, but anyway, so yeah. then a little later, I think it was around age 10, you said that you're, this is interesting. You're watching the NXS rock star show. I, I vaguely remember that coming out, but you were um, really obsessed with the the house guitar player, Rafael Morero, which he's not even in excess. He's just in the house band, right? Yeah. But that's kind of what drew you to the guitar. Yeah, completely. It was just that whole TV show, watching it, it was, it was so cool to me, especially in watching Rafael, just because he was 
just and is such an incredible guitar player. Just everything he would play was just so sick. And he had like every kind of Gibson guitar that you could possibly think of. And it was just everything about it was I was just I was obsessed with it. I would make not I'm not an artist by any means, but I would, you know, make drawings of the different people. Huh. And like I was just I was so hooked on everything about it. Okay. So then that's when you started taking guitar lessons from this uh, local guy who you've also said is one of your favorite guitar players, which I think is really cool. Cause he's, you know, he's a local guy and you cite him, Mark, uh, what, how do you say it? Crowell? Crowell. Crowell. You started taking lessons from him and he played in some like a Rod Stewart tribute band, which is kind of cool. So your parents like that. Um, so what did you learn from him in, in terms of playing the guitar or just like the music business or just life in general? Well, so Mark actually came a little later, right? When I very first started taking lessons, when I was 10, I took uh, from a music store in San Luis Palacios. And it was like, I don't know if I've ever talked about this ever. Okay. uh, And yeah, that's, I had a teacher named Bill Hopkins, I think was his last name. And like, it was just always kind of, you know, learning there was like the book stuff, the kind of more technical stuff, like mm-hmm. trying to read that I would always BS my way through to get to learning the Green Day songs. Uh. And, um, but then, yeah, my friend Mark Crowell came in the picture a few years later when I was 13. Like you said, saw him playing with a Rod Stewart tribute band. And, um, you know, we went up to him, me and my mom, and we were like, oh, do you give lessons? Because I thought he was just so cool. And he's like, oh, no, but I know some people that do. And then about a month later, I ended up jamming with him at this open mic night. Mm. And then we became friends and, you know, then okay. I started taking lessons from him. And that's where I really started kind of learning a lot more kind of, you know, like the heavier kind of right. stuff, like just Priest and Iron Maiden. And it was all about learning these two guitar harmony songs to go up to the open jam and, and play with him. And right. So, cause when you first got in, you were listening to kind of more stuff that was popular probably on rock radio at the time, like shine down and Seether and three days grace. And then, yeah, he kind of introduced you to the old school metal. So when did you discover Alice in Chains? Cause that's your favorite band, right? That's favorite band of all time. Yeah. Uh, that, that probably came around more like probably 16, I think. Oh, a little later. I, okay. I even specifically remember, uh, again, I got started playing, at open jams and stuff, which were these things where you could go and sign up on a, a list and then you get called up to play and you play your two or three songs. And um, I even remember playing them bones at an open jam, probably Ooh, when I, I was like 16 and like, you know, it's yeah. They just, I fell in love with them and they've, I've been in love with them ever since. It was, do you have a favorite song or album? I mean, album, you know, all of them, but I guess if I had to pick one, it'd have to be dirt. It's a classic. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. You got the poster up there. Awesome. Um, But, uh, and favorite songs. I mean, it's always kind of been between like damn that river and rain when I die and it ain't like that. And just, uh, do you like the, they have a a couple acoustic out the sap was the first one. And then they have the jar of flies acoustic, um, do you like that stuff as well? That stuff is so the jar of flies, especially so dark. Oh, I love every bit of it, man. Rotten apple and all those songs. Yeah. It's good it's stuff. Just, I love that. Um, yeah, I love the moody acoustic side to them too. It's interesting though, like, cause you don't do drugs. So like, you're just listening to this stuff. And I mean, are you just, does it put you in kind of a dark mood? I remember listening to that jar of flies CD when I was a kid, like I would always listen to music when I come home from school and I just pass out cause I'm so tired. Cause I, didn't get enough sleep the night before, but do you listen yeah. to it? Like when you're falling asleep or like, what are you doing when you're listening to that? No, that's like my, my morning pep music, man. The jar <laughs> of flies. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, you know, it's just, especially on a day like today, it's actually raining in Los yeah. Angeles, California, which is pretty crazy. Oh, that's rare. So a day like today is definitely, you know, the vibe for listening to that kind of stuff. But you know, it's, I just, I just love the the music. So the fact that it's kind of like, like you said, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't party, but it's the, I just, I like the music and I like the songs and 
that kind of darker, deeper stuff I kind of resonate with huh. a little bit more. So, um, I don't know. That's something. cool. No, I love Alice in Chains. Uh, so tell me about this. You, you played in front of 7,000 people when you were 14. What, what, what band was that or artists or how did that come about? I mean, I can't imagine, I was scared to get up in front of the class and read something when I'm 14. I can't imagine doing something like playing the guitar in front of 7,000 people. I would have a heart attack. Well, yeah, getting up to read something in front of a class, I'm still terrified to do (laughs) anything like that. But it's, you know, that, that whole story that was, again, I was in my first band and we would go up to the open mic nights that happened every Monday night at this club called house of rock. And Mm. this guy who hosted the night was this guy named Farrell Weber. And we would go there and play every week. And he said, you guys are going to open my next show. You know, he's really supportive of us and really, really awesome. And his next show ended up being at this club that was 21 and only that they wouldn't allow us to play at. So then He's like, okay, my next show, you guys are going to open. And he kept his word and his next show ended up being that show, which was with a Led Zeppelin tribute band playing in arena in St. Louis, Missouri, more specifically St. Charles, Missouri. It's called family arena. And these guys would do these tribute shows and still do some of these tribute shows where they hand out free tickets for months at, at all different locations and people you know, pick up the tickets and the money's made on concessions and parking Ah. menu. And they just pack the people into this place. So yeah, it was, that's a lot for a a tribute band. I would say, do you remember the name of that? Cause I've seen some of those Led Zeppelin tribute bands. It's called houses of the Holy. I don't really think they're around anymore. Cause some of the guys kind of split off, but um, my friend, Mark Crow was the guitar player and that's another kind of like, that was still pretty early on. I mean, I had been taking lessons from yeah. him, but I was still kind of like, you know, he was the rock star that I was looking so up to. So you're playing in front of 7,000 people and you're not nervous or scared or it just that felt natural to you? Well, yeah. I mean, the before going up there, that's out of basically playing on stage is about the one time in life that I am actually comfortable. Oh. So, uh, that's but that's one of I can count on one hand the number of times I've been nervous and that was the first one really wow um, yeah but once we were up there it was just it was all good and it was you know that's awesome so then at one point you is is it true you were playing four to five nights a week in nine different bands in St Louis like I mean. I, how did you, how much sleep were you getting at this time? Cause I, I think you need probably, you're supposed to get at least eight hours, right? But how do you play four to five nights a week, nine different bands? How do you keep that all straight? You're amazing, man. Your, uh, your research is amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Thank you. it was, uh, it was pretty crazy before I moved out here to LA. It ended up even being like almost 13 different bands. You know, oh my God. But like, you know, yeah, four to five nights a week at least. And all through high school, I had good grades and mostly straight A's. And it was just, that's, that's all I've wanted to do. I just playing live is. So like, instead of kids that are on playing on a football team or whatever, it's just, you're playing in bands at night. Yeah, that was basically it. I didn't really have any friends in, in school. Wait, wait, you're playing in front of 7,000 people. You're playing all these different bands and you don't have any friends. No, I mean, it was really even in, uh, yeah, that was in high school. It was, you know, there was kind of like a group of kids that I would sit with at the, at lunchtime and stuff, but like nobody, I don't talk to, I don't even really remember a single person from high school other than, you know, a couple teachers really, but like, wow, it's, yeah. I mean, it was always kind of, like just get through the day and get through school and then get the homework done to get to go out and, and play at night and jam. So were you like bullied and stuff or you just compute kids kind of ignore you? Um, a little bit of both. Bullying was mostly through grade school. Like uh. Uh, the school I attended was kindergarten through eighth grade. So you're stuck with the same jerks from, you know, for <sighs> eight or nine years. Yeah. I hate that know. shit. Well, that's and, uh, God, you got the last laugh though. Yeah. I mean, ultimately 
you know, I remember being in fourth or fifth grade and some kid telling me guitar will never take you anywhere, but it <laughs> does quite the opposite. Wow. What an idiot. Yeah. No. Cause so how, like at the, at the time as a kid, it's just like, you know, that, that makes you feel like crap, but yeah. ultimately, you know, and I'm, I'm really weird. My memory isn't always great, but then certain things like that, I can remember like just exactly for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, quite the contrary has happened. Thus yeah. Far. No. So tell me about this. So th- I think was this besides playing in front of 7,000 people, was this in high school when you auditioned for black label society? Did I hear that right? Yeah, you did. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, How did he find you? You're cause you're in St. Louis. So actually by that time. And I mean, I kind of sort of auditioned, but by that time I had, I've been living in LA. Okay. I've been living here probably like two months. Actually. Oh, so this is when you're going to that school, the music school or whatever. When I was going to Musicians Institute, yeah. Okay. And I had heard about, you know, the semi kind of like audition kind of thing where you basically were, um, or at least in my case, I had met with Blasco for a couple minutes because he had done some teaching there a little bit in the music business program. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I had him on my show. He's Aussie's bassist and it was in Rob zombie. Great guy. Yeah. So, so he kind of hooked you up with that, right? So he, yeah, the, the audition thing was to go and uh, you basically talk to him for a few minutes and he, and he was like, okay, yeah. Film videos of you doing like this, 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 and this. And then uh, I did. And then nothing really ended up coming of it, but it was still, you know, but kinda, didn't you, wasn't there something where like you won a contest? So then Zach Wilde had to come deliver a guitar to your house or something. That was extremely weird timing <laughs> because both of these things happen within like a week or two. Of oh, that's hilarious. So you're like, Hey, I auditioned for your band. I didn't make it, but I'll take this guitar as a consolation. <laughs> it was really crazy. A friend of mine just randomly sent me this contest and like, I, you know, would just enter stuff like that. Just yeah, like, why for not? sure. Yeah. And yeah, it it happened like right after the, the audition thing, if we can even really call it that. Mm-hmm. And then you got, I got an email that said, congratulations from BLS. And I'm like, what? And then I opened it and it's like, you won the, you know, the guitar thing. And I was like, what the heck? So Zach Wilde came to my living space here and, delivered a guitar which was just does he smell unreal. good i so i had uh who was it them evils them evils they opened for him jordan griffin and he said he yeah. smells magnificent i was like what he's like i don't know it's he smells great i was like okay <laughs> do you remember the, yeah, I mean, the the couple times that i have met zach wild i don't remember him smelling <laughs> and it's kind of you would, you would expect him to a little bit but the the few times i've met him i yeah. haven't didn't notice anything. I okay. I don't know. I just thought that was funny when Jordan told me that story. I was like, what? He's like, just ran. He's like, I don't know. He smells magnificent. I was like, okay, <laughs> very cool. So before you got to that college, like this was kind of an important pivotal point in your life, I think, because you were going to go to like a regular college for web design and audio engineering. And then was it a friend of yours? You say you didn't have a lot of friends, but this one friend kind of convinced you to go to the, to the music musicians Institute in uh, Hollywood. Right. That is correct. Now me saying like that, I didn't really have many friends. That's like, I didn't have any friends that were my own age. Oh. But I had become friends with, uh, by like going to the jams and stuff. When my first band oh. broke up, I started playing with the, the adult musicians and the pros and oh. stuff. And those guys became my friends. Okay. So, um, yeah, this, this guy named buddy blaze who makes guitars that I was playing for a while. he, we were at the lake with him over 4th of July weekend and he was asking about college plans. And I was all set to go to a local college in St. Louis for yeah. Web design with a minor, I think in audio engineering because their music program was really jazz based. And um, I'll just admittedly say I wasn't accepted into the music program. there, So, it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I can do this. That seems kind of cool. And talking to buddies, like, oh, well, you should have been, you should be going to MI. That's kind of the place that you, you know, and my mom always kind of thought that to begin with, you Mm. know, she always thought that it wasn't really a good idea to be 
staying in St. Louis because there's only like yeah you know, like that's cool parties. your parents were so supportive of of you doing music because a lot of parents say like oh don't you know give up on the rock star dreams and get a real job and your mom was like no you need to go to this music school my my parents both have always been extremely supportive just you know between taking me out every night and them not getting much sleep and oh just right always, yeah you know just always being being amazing and i you know, and my, my whole family now, especially too. my, my sisters are really supportive and they really, they like everything too. So that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's really cool. So you go to the school, the music musicians Institute, what did you learn there besides just like meeting all these other musicians and people into music and networking? Did you learn, was there certain classes you took that really helped you with some of the technical stuff, like about music and the music business or. Yeah, there was so much stuff. It was, I started with the associate program which is their year and a half program mm. and then after completing that i decided to do more and go into the bachelor program so getting into that you there was so much stuff that not even related to guitar that you had to learn like arranging for horns and strings and writing out the musical parts and uh having to do these things called juries where you have to write out everybody's parts. You got to write the drum notation and the vocal notation and everything and rehearse with the group and play songs that are, you know, like a jazz song and a Latin song and like a transcription that had to be some wow. crazy guitar thing. And so there's, there's so much stuff that I learned, even learning like pro tools and stuff. Oh. I you know, do, do work with different dolls That's and huge. stuff. That's yeah. where I have my pro tools skills from yeah and yeah oh that's great so then you you perform you made your uh your debut at the viper room with a band called made in america so tell me about that experience like are you aware of the history of the viper room because i just it's so it's such a fascinating venue it's one of those legendary places yeah very much so it's uh yeah that was my my first gig after after moving here and this band made in America, this, the singer's name was Dave Keckett. And I very much owe a lot to him mm. because when I first moved here, I, I was losing my mind, you know, going from playing four to five nights a week, to not being able to play anywhere really. Yeah. You know, where it, so there were these jam nights that were going on. Uh, they've now kind of turned into to other things, but uh, at this little club in the Valley, and David took me there and that's where I started meeting everybody. And he got me up to play with the different people. And so, uh, you know, I still owe a lot to that singer, Dave Keckett for, for helping me out when I first got here. And it was a lot of fun in the band. And, you know, that was my first time playing the, the yeah. pipe room and the whiskey and all these. All different so yeah. All those. Now you live pretty close to all that stuff, right? In Hollywood. I do. Yeah. yeah. So tell me and this I'm there all the time. Oh, in, really? In normal life. Yeah, yeah, right. Normal life. So those jam nights, one of the guys you jammed with uh, was one of my favorites, Gilby Clark, solo artist, but also was formerly in Guns N' Roses. How did that happen? And do you remember, like, what song did you do with him? That happened from that Dave Heckett. I okay. was there with him one night and, uh, you know, that he got me up to play. We played Highway Star by Deep Purple. Ah, nice. And that was really cool to me because... Gilby, when I first got into Guns N' Roses, when I was like 12 or so, I got the Use Your Illusion DVDs, which yeah. had Gilby in them. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that there was a lineup before him, you know? So sure. I was just like, oh, he's so cool. And, you know, all the different Lost Pauls and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was really cool to to jam with him, especially I was 18 when I first moved here. <sighs> so That's insane. Um, so young. And now fast forward, the plot thickens with Gilby and he's actually mixing the new Faster Pussycat music, but we can get to that later. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll get to that. But um, this is another one I just realized that you had another person you work with. Tell me about this young, I don't think a lot of people know who this uh, is, but I, does she go by Gabby Ray or Gabriella? Uh, she's like this up and coming singer. I think she's been on the Monsters of Rock cruise and I saw a video of her singing with Vince Neil from Motley Crue and Nuno Betancourt and a bunch of other rock stars. And I think you played with her, right? You guys opened up for Queensryche and Dokken and Europe and all this stuff, right? Yeah. She, uh, 
back then, yes, it was Gabby Ray. Now okay. she's known as Gabriella. Because okay. She, you know, wanted to to change and rebrand for the new thing that she's she's working on currently. What but is the new was, thing she's working on? She's been working with Nuno Betancourt. Has been okay. her uh, producer and kind of right hand guy for the last couple years, and you know, just been working on. She's got at least. I know she has an album for sure of, of stuff and it's, it's all amazing. And I say that objectively because she's, you know, my friend and listen and uh, you know, it was all her and, you know, together. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens for her. And, but, you know, back that was playing with her. I mean, that was my, my first tour, which oddly enough happened five years ago, right around the time currently that's happening right now. And, um, got to do a lot of really, really cool shows with her. A lot of, that was some of my first really big shows for sure was playing with her. So what happened? Did, did she, is cause she's working with Nuno now or just cause you're in so many other bands? I, I think it's kind of a combination of things. Okay. It's, yeah. With myself being in a few other projects and then her, she's been mostly working with, with Nuno and you know, I don't, kind of see what happens maybe in the in the future Who okay knows really, but yeah because like, yeah you yeah. ended up joining a, a butter side so and you say you didn't pick that name uh so what is the story with that name then Th- these guys were signed by lemmy himself from motorhead yeah yeah and uh our singer patrick used to roadie for lemmy and he sang for steven adler and yeah. he's done a bunch of bunch of great stuff and he's a, a great human and great person and yeah i started playing with them he had randomly hit me up on instagram one day and asked if i wanted to jam and that kind of turned into me doing a few gigs with them and ultimately i wasn't able to to stay because they were doing a tour and i was still finishing mi Mm. and but then it it came back around and i ended up rejoining and no i did not pick the name what does it it, mean though what i i do like the music I'm I'm just confused by the name. I'm like, what is this? I don't understand what this means. I'm confused by the name and I'm in the band. (laughs) uh, No, it's, I, it really, it does not mean anything. Okay. The name just completely apparently came out of uh, Patrick trying to rhyme with himself at some point when he was doing his first record and just, uh, you know, it's, I guess he, he kind of calls it the, the anti-cliche and kind of all just the, there's other meanings that have kind of come up more recently, but okay. ultimately it really doesn't mean anything. Okay. Well, you guys, <laughs> I saw something you posted about, you guys are going to have your song played on uh, uh KLOS radio in California. That's a big rock station there, right? That'll be played this yeah. Sunday. Yeah. It'll be played uh, this coming Sunday. Is that the 12th. song with Phil Campbell from motorhead? It's actually the first the first single from from the record that's coming out at the oh. end of March, and the single's called Zen. Oh, and um, I think I heard. Yeah, is that one on Spotify? I think I listened to a bunch of your music today, and it was it yeah. was great stuff. I was really getting. They're starting to like the, after you hear it a couple times, it starts to get in your head, and you start to like sing along to it. It's good stuff. Oh well, thank you. And yeah, that's um, yeah, the first single Zen is what's going to be played on KLOS and then there's a couple other singles that'll be coming out uh in the next one's coming out next month one's coming out in March and mm. the record comes out at the end of March and then we move on from that okay that that record has been a very very long and tedious process oh. not recording it by any means that's been done forever oh but mixing just, it getting it out and dealing okay. with uh, past members and different legal things. Oh, and, you know, okay. Stuff has slowed it down for, for a while. Okay. But. Well, I'm glad it will see the light of day. So tell me, um, cause I, how I found out about you. I mean, I think I vaguely knew you're probably saw your name because you're in faster pussycat, but I didn't really hear a lot about you until, uh, when I interviewed ACE and I listened to a couple interviews that he had done and he, he raves about you in, in several interviews and saying that you're the next Jerry Cantrell. So how did you meet, meet him? How'd you guys become friends? I I've tried to remember and talk to him about how we actually met. I think it <laughs> had to just been from one of the, the jam, the jam nights. nights. Sure. Here. Okay. And 
but we really have become close more in the last couple of years, really. And huh. he's, he's kind of like the older brother that I never had, mm. but have always kind of wanted, you know? Yeah. He's just, he's been, he's been a great guy. And, you know, especially with the, the faster pussycat thing, we've only gotten closer and, and better friends. And I talk to him all the time. He's somebody, you know, he's, He's just a great dude. No, he is such a nice dude. He was so nice to me. And he like shared my episode and he, and then Tracy guns retweeted it. And I was like, Tracy guns just retweeted my stupid podcast. I'm like, that's amazing. So he's super nice. Tracy's so always been, Tracy's always been super cool and really yeah. nice. To me. So, so cause Ace is in LA guns and faster pussycat. And so he basically had to sub out with faster pussycat to do LA guns. So are you kind of like a full fledged member now? Or is it still like, are you still a, long-term sub or what would you call it? Well, it's kind of like, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a member now because it's, yeah. I mean, and ultimately when I came in, yeah, it was just a sub for ACE and that's all I was going in to do, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I didn't want to be that guy, you know, whatever, stealing somebody's gig, whatever, all that. Yeah. But like a few shows into the tour, they kind of, they were already kind of saying they didn't really want me to leave. And it's, which, you know, they're, they're faster. I love the guys. They're all really, really nice guys. I love hanging out with all of them. And so, and I've been working with Tammy for the last about year and a half, maybe a little bit less on new music. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's kind of safe to say that I'm in the band now. Okay. But you know, again, like, uh, like I know Ace have said, I'm sure that he's, you know, he'll probably be back playing at some point, you know? Yeah. But. Or maybe you're going to be too busy because you got other stuff going on too. But so being in Faster Pussycat, you've done a lot of shows with them. Um, I assume a lot of their fans are old like me, uh, but there's got to be good and bad things about like you being like so young and being in that band. Like what are the good things about that? And then what are the like bad things? I mean, uh, I'll tell you one of the funny things is the people okay. that like comments on because I, I run all the social media. Oh, you so do? Okay, cool. I'll, yeah, I'll post the stuff and like, you know, somebody will be like, so you can oh, share this know. episode is what you're saying, is it? <laughs> share it everywhere, man. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So the funny thing, even this happened at a show too, is the people saying like, oh, you guys look different from how you were in the 80s i'm like well i wasn't alive in the 80s or somebody at a show it was in texas who's holding up on her phone a picture of the original band she's like which one are you and we're like playing slip of the time i'm like i wasn't alive <laughs> yeah i mean i don't people can google that stuff it's not like they don't have the internet it's all on wikipedia so if they really yeah, you can't, know, it's, it's, it's it's almost like they're trolling you or something or no, I don't. I just think everybody, everybody has access to the internet. Not everybody should have access to the internet. And that's okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh. no, some of the, some of the good things is, is the fact that, you know, for me, I'm, I'm 25 and stepping into that spot a year and a half ago was, you know, a step up for me from, yeah. from where I was and getting to play with a group like that, that, you know, back home in St. Louis, everybody's like, Oh, he plays with Faster Pussycat. That's so cool. Like it's, you know, to get to play with a band that has the legacy and the longevity that they've had. Right. And a band that, you know, that some people have heard of is absolutely is really cool. And, and then, they, yeah, they still have thing. a following. I, mean, I, can't, I can't really, I can't really say any negative things. It's, it's been, it's all, do you get a lot all, of, do you get a lot of the rocker, like cougar chicks coming after you after the show? Like, Hey, how you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> just, just, just kind of a part of it. And just gotta, you know, yeah. It's part of the gig. I'm going to turn girls down or maybe not. It's, I don't know. Maybe you give into the, some of them. Um, no, um, it's, it is just part of the job, but you yeah. know, it's just everybody, uh, you know, it's just, everybody's there. To, That's fun. Yeah, it's it's everybody's there to have fun, and ultimately, you know, it's just that's yeah, cool. It, that's super cool. Like there is kind of a little bit of a line. Yeah, I love Faster Pussycat. I, I don't think I've ever seen them live. I think there's a couple times where I was like almost gonna go, but then for some reason or another, I did. I think didn't they? Didn't you guys just recently do a tour with like 
Bang Tango and somebody else. I can't remember. I wanted to go to that, but I feel like it was like on like a Tuesday or something. I couldn't go. Hopefully you guys tour yeah, again. Before I had come in on. Yeah, that was in 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, this is really cool. This is another thing I discovered when I was doing my research is that you did a record with the artist Dorothy. She's just one name, which is like, I feel like if I was her manager, I would say that's, that's hard because people type in Dorothy and like 5 million things come up, but she is really talented. I I never really listened to her music before, but she kind of sounds like a, I would say kind of like a harder rock version of Janis Joplin. So what can you tell me about working with her and the new songs that you guys recorded? Uh, she's been really cool. That kind of came out of nowhere, really. And it's something also that, that you know, my, my older brother Ace kind of helped out with because he, he knew Dorothy. Oh. And he had brought her to, like, I had kind of connected with her on social media a little bit. Like, she had started following me on Instagram and we talked a little bit. And But Ace had brought her to the Viper Room where I was playing on a jam night thing. And, you know, we hung out and you know, played some songs and, you know, she was like, yeah, I think you should jam with my band. I was like, okay, cool. And so that ultimately kind of led to, um, well, and then the apocalypse happened. So, um, <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. That's, that's and good here term for we it. are still. Okay. And, but you know, we had kept in touch through social media and texting and then she had ended up, uh, she was here in LA and she wanted to work and write so we got together and we uh you know worked on some stuff a little bit and then she had you know asked me one day she's like do you want to go to new york and record my record and i'm like yeah i want to go to new york and record your record uh just because for me personally i i i had never been to new york and that's someplace uh-huh. i had been to sorry new york city never okay been to new york city i played in new york but you know in, in other parts but and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. She wrote, she co-wrote songs with a lot of really, really cool people. She wrote, co-wrote a couple with Jason Hook, formerly of Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. And co-wrote a couple with Keith Wallen, who's uh, one of the guitar players in Breaking Benjamin. Mm. And it was just, it was a really, really fun process. The producer's name is Joel Hamilton and the studio just had all, I'm, I'm a gear freak. So sure. They had all this super cool old gear and just, you know, we were there. I was there for 13 days. We did pre-production for about a little less than a week and then uh, recorded bass and drums over a couple days. And then I did all the guitars in about three days. So how many songs are you on? 12. There's, oh, well, yeah. at least there's 12 of those. And then okay. um, I know she's been writing a couple others with a couple other people okay. here recently. So um, I'm not really sure. What did you, co- so did you co-write those songs with her or you just played the guitar on them? Uh, none of the ones for the, the record. I just played the guitar. Okay. Are you in the band though? Or is this, you're just, she just used you as a studio musician, musician for this. No, I, I believe I'm in the band. What? It, 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 well, it's, it's weird for me to, to say, because again, like COVID happened. And yeah. Like, so, hasn't been there hasn't been any show so there's been a few of these kind of things talking about it it's like well yeah so i am in her band i haven't played with her yet sure but, but so you're in three bands yeah. then yeah okay All right. and then Just... do a bunch of other kind of hired gun stuff on the side to stay alive but, sure no that's uh, but yeah three three groups mainly yes that's cool so i mean like we said before you don't drink you don't do drugs or anything you never did that i feel like that's really unusual for someone of your age. Like usually I talk to a lot of musicians and everyone goes crazy in their teens and twenties and thirties. And then maybe sometimes into their forties or longer. And then they sober up when they're older. Um, like a perfect example is the faster pussycat singer, Tammy. Like he went through that party phase for years and he just recently got sober. Do you think that like not doing that, does that help you like be more productive and be in three bands? I mean, I feel like that'd be hard to be in three bands and be boozing a bunch. I think it'd be really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. just for me personally, I've never had the interest in partying and doing any of that stuff. And I hmm. think it mostly stems from, from two things. One, my, my parents don't drink or party. Hmm. So I didn't really grow up 
around that. But then at the same time, I did grow up around it from starting playing in bars since I was 12 and yeah. kind of around all those, just seeing how it makes, you know, changes people and makes, you know, all that stuff. And it's just, it's never been of interest to me. I've never even drank like soda even as a kid either. So huh. it's, um, you know, for me, I just, I'm starting to realize more and more I am a junkie, but for like when it comes to music and when it comes to gear, like I'm just, I'm, that's awesome. That's a pretty healthy addiction though. I think <laughs> much better than pills. It, yeah. It's healthier than, than drugs for sure. Uh, probably, you know, equally as, detrimental to my funds, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> so like, what is your formula for success? Like how much of it is hard work and networking and practice and all that? And how much of it is just raw talent? It's gotta be a combination. I would assume, right? It, I really do believe that it is a combination of, of the two. Um, you know, when I was going to MI, there was a, a lot of kids there that would always be there just like practicing and they'd be there all day long, but like they, they wouldn't go out. And as far as getting work and getting jobs, you got to get out and you got to network and you got to meet people and you got to jam together and, you know, get your your name out there. And that all takes time to do. Like it doesn't just, you don't just go out and then it just happens, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's something that that takes time. And, but I, I do truly believe that going out and networking and playing live is just, that's, that's kind of paramount to, you know, cause, and ultimately, at least for myself, as much as I sit and try to practice or work on stuff, once you're on stage, everything is just different. Like there's, there's a mm-hmm. different set of whatever the word is. I don't know. It's the morning for me. So my brain's working, <laughs> but uh, just, there's a different, there's a switch that flips and okay. You know, so it doesn't matter how long you sit and kind of work on something. There's, there's a different part of your brain that's right. working. No, know? I agree. It's like when I do the podcast, I mean, I have my questions laid out, but then once we start the interview, sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to follow this rabbit hole or I got to go, you know, screw this question. I want to ask about that. Like sometimes you just got to be in the moment. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah, the, through your networking, like you said, I mean, you were able to meet some pretty cool musicians. You got to meet Jerry Cantrell, your hero, your favorite guitar player. What was yeah. that like? A couple times. Yeah, I, I I feel like I've been lucky that I've met a lot of my heroes and that they've all been cool. You know mm-hmm. that I haven't I haven't really had that story, luckily, of meeting one of my heroes and them not being a very cool person. So, yeah, meeting Jerry, he's the couple times I met him, he'd been really cool. And the first time I met him, I was like, you know, I was kind of young i was probably 18 or 19 and uh i back home in st louis i do an alice in chains tribute with some friends and stuff just because we love the music so much that it's just you know and it's not not like a tribute band like we're you know dressing up like the guys or whatever we're just all about playing the songs because we love the songs but uh you know and i told him like oh yeah you know i do like an alice in chains tribute or whatever and and he was like, oh, cool. What do you do? And I was like, I try to play you. <laughs> try. Just, you know, he's, I just think he's, he's super cool. And uh, again, I've, I've had good experience meeting him and yeah, he's, he's my biggest musical influence for sure. That's really cool. And then you met Slash three times. How did you meet him three times? I mean, I feel like four times. I mean, I feel like he is like, so would be so coveted. Like he would not do the jam nights and like, you know, even if they had a concert, I feel like he's in his own dressing room. How did you come across him? They were there. Were, the first time ever was when I was 12 years old and I was on vacation here in LA and he was doing an event at the guitar center in Hollywood, right down the, the street over here. And this, this guy who, who worked there, you know, again, I was 12 years old. He said to me and my, my mom, he was like, Oh yeah, you guys can, if you guys come back later, I'll, I'll let you in. And he kept his word. He, you know, we came back, we were, you know, there was this crowd of people in front and he kind of came and got us and like walked us around to the back. And, you know, then I met him. That was the first time. The other couple times, the two times following that, 
I was a yeah in my teens for sure. And the that guy Buddy Blaze had facilitated with oh. Alan Niven, who was the former manager of yeah, Guns N' Roses, right. the big fan of the world the first time around before yeah. now. And um, yeah, Alan had had hooked it up, and I got to meet Slash twice after uh, shows he played in St. Louis. With Guns N' Roses or with uh, his solo band? This was with his solo band. Okay. Conspirators. Yeah. And he's just, again, he's always been really, really cool. He's just, he's got that whole, just, you, you know, you see him and he's got that, the ultimate rock star persona, just everything mm-hmm. about him, just totally. the imagery and the, and the playing and the everything. But then he's just this super soft-spoken, quiet, really kind of chill dude Hmm. and um and then the last the most recent time that i met him was at lemmy's 70th birthday party he was playing that with gabby ray actually with gabby ray and nuno that night oh cool and slash was playing and we met him backstage oh that's super cool that's neat man wow it sounds like you've done so many cool things it's uh met all these great rock stars and stuff so i gotta ask you this too uh before we wrap up here what is your obsession with Jurassic Park? Well, I love that movie too, but is that like your favorite movie? What is it about that that you love so much? I, I you know, as a as a kid, I I really liked dinosaurs and snakes and you know, but I was really 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 into dinosaurs. So I've always just loved Jurassic Park, even since I was a kid, and and even now I I you know still probably watch it at least once a week, and it's just something about the movies. I'm not. I'm not really great when it comes to movies. Like I kind of live under a rock with as far as most things go outside of music, but it just everything about the the movies. I just, I love them. I love the vibe of them. I like the dinosaurs still. Yeah. That is a great movie. Just got this. Ace just got me this. Oh, cool. It's like a Jurassic park Jeep. Yeah. Cause I was talking about the fact that, um, I I've seen in Hollywood here a few times, somebody has a Jurassic park Jeep parked a couple streets over. Oh really? Like a full size one. Yeah. Like I'll be walking to the grocery store and I'm like, Oh my God, there's it literally it's this. That's like, like the model you're showing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Man. I want one of those. Oh man. I want to get one of those. So I think it'd be cool if they actually made, made it happen with in real life. Weren't they talking about bringing back the woolly mammoths or something? I I don't know. Was that really going to happen? Dude, at at this point, I would not be shocked. It's, I feel like it's this year, the the past year, every crazy thing has happened. Why not bring back dinosaurs? What the hell? You know what? Just let's let it happen. Let's let (laughs) it happen for sure. Well, I like to always wrap up with a charity. Is there, is there one that you want to give a shout out to or one that you've worked with in the past? I, I haven't really gotten to do much work with charities other than uh, there's Rock Against MS, which oh. is a really, really great thing. That, I never even heard of that one. Uh, you haven't? No, but I mean, I, MS is a huge thing, that it's, yeah. especially in my home state in Washington. I think for some reason it's more common there. They think maybe because of the weather or something, lack of sunshine. It's really, it's debilitating disease for sure. It's terrible. Yeah. And they, they do, again, in normal life. Uh, they do an event every year in LA and I got to participate in it about, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. And a bunch of friends always participate in it. And that's, you know, the, the people behind it are really, really great people. And it's a really great cause. And the other one I wanted to mention was, I mean, even though I think there's aid kind of happening now, but the save our stages. Oh yeah. One, that's just big. Because, you know, all these venues and all these places just in all these different states i mean it's just if if they don't get help like when it's when bad. things are able to go yeah. back to normal there's not going to be anywhere for anybody to play i know it's so uh, sad i see some of these like sometimes i'll just see like a restaurant or whatever and they're just like we're done we're out of business i'm like couldn't you have at least tried to go fund me i feel like there's like some rich people that are a fan of that place that would help out i mean like if the rainbow was ever struggling i feel like all they had to do was say hey we need help. And Slash like comes in with his like superhero cape and like just, you know, buys the place or whatever. Right. I mean, there's so many rock stars that would help out with places like that. I would, yeah, I would hope on that subject, there's the, the bar back home that I really kind of grew up playing in. Oh, is that Sharky's or what is it? No. What is it called? Uh, Sh- Charlac pub. Charlac. That's what it was. Not Char- Sharky's. Yeah. 
Sherlock Pub. Uh, but Sharky's is a Mexican place out here. Oh. Um, but uh, no, Sherlock Pub. And that's that's a place that in St. Louis, for some reason, they have very divided rules. And certain places huh. can be open, but certain places can't. Huh. And, you know, so a place like that, they, you know, they're not getting aid from anybody. Not that they're like something that will be a part of this save our stage, but it's just it's something that I did want to go fund me for oh. to try to to save the place because she was being closed and she really the owner Judy really didn't think that she was going to be able to to make it through a second shutdown and you know again for me I grew up playing there and I would not be the musician that I am today or probably where I'm at today if it wasn't for that place mm-hmm. and a lot you know for a lot of people in St. Louis that's like their kind of musical home away from home and their little haven. Mm. And so luckily, you know, that was able to raise some funds and she'd been able to stay open and, but now she's kind of gotten shut down again. So it's just, mm. it's just, yeah. So is the GoFundMe still up then? Can people donate to that if they want? I believe it is still active. Yeah. Okay. If anybody is, you know, is able and they, you know, have $10 to spare, you know, it's, it's a really, really good cause and a really, really great place that does not deserve to be shut down. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll try to find the link or you can send it to me. I'll put that in the notes. Uh, unless people are listening to this like five years from now, then hopefully it's already been saved at that point. Hopefully but, it's still alive and well. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sam Bam. I really appreciate this. And uh, I look to see you in Cal- next time I'm in LA. I want to come and see you at a jam night or something. Oh, man. Well, it was nice to kind of sort of meet you. Yeah. Nice to talk to you for a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This okay. Thanks, Sam. Bye-bye. See ya. Sam Bam Colton. Follow him on Instagram to keep up with all his projects. New music from Faster Pussycat, Butterside, and Dorothy. And, I mean, who knows what the future will hold. You might be listening to this episode in the year 2030, and we have flying cars and shit, and Sam's a household name. So jump on the bandwagon now before it's too late. If you enjoyed this episode, check out some of my other interviews like Ace Von Johnson from LA Guns. I just had him on Adam Hamilton, who's also played with LA Guns, Blasco, who we mentioned in this episode, and many, many more. So I appreciate you listening. And if you made it this far, you are clearly supporting the show. And if you want to continue to do that, you can follow me on social media and like and share things there. And if you have the time, you can write me a nice iTunes review. That will really help me out. Have a great day. And remember... Shoot for the moon!